Sota CBD products are scientifically proven and dermatologist approved to help with insomnia, overexposure to outside environmental elements, and other inflammatory issues. Scientific research is the starting point for every product they make, and Sota products are formulated to specifically address sleep and anxiety, environmental damage, as well as inflammation and pain, both systemically and topically. Sota CBD is purposeful in providing scientifically studied ingredients that are proven to work and then infused with CBD to target very specific disease states that many face every day. Go ahead, use coupon code FINDINGGENIUS, all one word, for a 25% discount at checkout. Visit SOTACBD.com to shop now. Use code FINDINGGENIUS. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Dr. Debbie Rice. She's a naturopathic doctor. She maintains a part-time practice where she focuses on care of pediatric health, hormone health, thyroid health, and adrenal health. So we're going to talk today. Debbie, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, can we focus in on, you know, hormone health, you know, thyroid is part of it, adrenal, et cetera. In that area, what kind of patients do you see and what kind of issues come up commonly? Yeah, great question. So I would say in my practice, I see a lot of thyroid imbalances and I definitely get a lot of perimenopause, menopause, hormone imbalances, cycle irregularities, hot flashes, night sweats, not sleeping very well. And all of this, you know, really also revolves around the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or the HPA axis when we're looking at stress and stress management. So uh, that's a that's a nice big part of, of what I get to see. Well, yeah. Tell me about the women that come in that are perimenopausal or menopausal. What do they know what's going on and what kind of symptoms do they have that are in common that, you know, tell them something's wrong, something's changed? Yeah. Great question. So, and it's interesting because sometimes people come in and they're just like, I just don't feel myself, you know, where they're just like, I just don't feel like the same person. My mood is off. I'm not sleeping as well. I seem to be a little bit more irritable or a little bit more emotional. And that's usually like the bigger trigger of just like, I just don't feel right. Um, Or like that, like they normally feel the more obvious ones are going to be people that come in and they're like, I know something is happening with my hormones because this happens cyclically, right? Like they know that, you know, before their cycle, they get super emotional where they may not have had that same thing happen before, or their blood sugar drops. They feel like super shaky or they feel they get headaches now, or they know that they're not sleeping, hot flashes and night sweats are a big, big one that also cue people in. And sometimes these are cyclical and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they just hang out all the time and that's even even more annoying. Um, and the other thing too, is you get that presentation of, you know, I used to be able to, 
right? Like my memory is just not as good as it used to be. Now, even if I write stuff down, I totally forget. Like I go into the other room and I don't remember what's happening. I'm at work and things that I used to be able to remember my mental capacity to get the list, right? Like where I didn't really have to write it down. I really have to work hard now to remember my to-dos and checking those things off. And so mental clarity, brain fog, not feeling the same, a lot of climacteric or hot and cold changes can happen. And then sleep and mood are the big ones. And energy too also mm-hmm. come into play, you know, just not feeling as motivated. I'll say not necessarily energetic, but not as motivated, right? Like, or it's much harder for them to be able to just get through the day, right? Like get up, get the kids ready, get ready for work, you know, make the lunches, do the dinner, like run all the errands, do all of that. And they just feel wiped at the end of the day. That's a big one too. And uh, those are probably the bigger complaints. You can also And I would say this is stuff that people probably don't talk about as much. And so sometimes this may not come through until maybe the next appointment or the next appointment where it's like sex life is not the same either. You know, vaginal dryness can really greatly affect intimacy, not just the desire for intimacy, but even the enjoyment of intimacy and libido is not the same. And a lot of times, even though sex hormones uh, can certainly influence that when we think about stress, right? The stress response for males is different different than it is for females. And for a female who's already feeling overwhelmed or unmotivated or not well rested and just heavy, you know, when she starts the day, it's like another consideration to also think about being with your partner, right? Like there's a part of like, it's nice to know that your partner is there. It's a whole other level of commitment to also want to be intimate with your partner because that's a, you know, it's a shared energy. um, And that can also take or be affected, you know, take time or take energy or, you know, emotional investment in doing that. So that's also a big thing too. Well, what's going on, first of all, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but is it radically different or is it slightly different? What's going on with the hormones of women that are approaching menopause? What happens? Yeah, great question. And I think there are some women that come in and they're like, you know, I'm way too young to be menopausal. And that may very well be true. What we see a lot of times is perimenopause. So first let's talk about normal cycles, which is, you know, your premenopausal cycling, where you generally have this predictable cycle every month, right? Like you're cycling, you've been cycling fairly normally, that is going to be premenopausal. Postmenopause or menopause means you have not had a cycle for 365 days, no bleed, no spotting, nothing for 365 days. That graduates you into that place of menopause. Perimenopause, we would like to say that we could predict it, but it's not that easy. There are some women that just have this very easy transition from being premenopausal to just not having a cycle. Most women, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say what, well, continue, but what, what are the hormones that seem to get disrupted in common in women and, and what can they do about it? But go ahead and finish what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the perimenopausal stage can last anywhere from a couple months to five years, seven years, 10 years. Like, you know, for some women, it can drag on a little bit longer and this is going to be dependent on their hormones. So when we think about this, you're a lot of times Because estrogen gets signaled multiple times through the month, like estrogen is one of those hormones that's a lot more active throughout the month. We rely on estrogen to get the signaling so that we can ovulate so that our progesterone 
can get us to our bleed, right? So we have estrogen that is signaling progesterone, but estrogen also hangs out the second part of our cycle. Progesterone really only gets to join the party the second part of the cycle. And so when we're looking at perimenopause or those transitions, what we generally see is estrogen can usually hang out a little bit longer, meaning you're probably going to have a lot more fluctuations in estrogen for a little bit longer than you would with progesterone. We see that progesterone ends up kind of falling off um, sooner than estrogen does, just because it only has a certain amount of time that it's active. And once those signals start to become either erratic or not as robust as before, you don't have the same signaling response with progesterone. So a lot of times we start to see progesterone decrease and that can start to lead to some perimenopausal symptoms, skipped periods, longer periods, heavier periods, hot flashes, night sweats, joint aches and muscle aches can also be a part of that. One of the things that I think that we don't talk about very much is that hormones are also very lubricating, not just for vaginal dryness, but also for joints, right? So when we think about joints and muscle development, right? Like we also want to think about the levels of estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, DHEA. Those are all big components of our muscles and tendons and that kind of lubrication as well. Um, The other hormones that are going to be a part of that. So I always tell my patients that our adrenal glands end up being like our second ovaries. So once the ovaries decide that they're retired, they have taken their beer, they're at the beach, they're like, see you later, we're out. Your adrenal glands have to step in and take on that responsibility of estrogen and progesterone signaling. And so when we're talking about setting somebody up for successful transition into menopause or premenopause, we also need to look at adrenal health. If your adrenals are really stressed out and they're really working hard to make sure that you're putting one foot in front of the other, you're making it through the day. If they're well balanced with that, you're going to have an easier transition time. But if they're freaking out, they're trying to protect you on a day-to-day basis. You are running in fight or flight all the time. Your adrenal dance, that's going to be their focus, right? They don't care about sex drive. They don't care about vaginal dryness. They don't care about hot flashes. They care about keeping you safe. And that's where they're going to harness their focus. And so the adrenal component is also a huge part of that transition from being premenopausal, right? So cycling normally into perimenopause and then menopause. Sota CBD products are formulated with scientifically proven and all natural ingredients that a dermatologist approved to help with improving sleep and inflammatory skin diseases to support overall wellness. They're offering our listeners a generous 25% off their first purchase. Use coupon code FINDINGGENIUS. No spaces in there, one word, Finding Genius to save 25% at checkout site-wide. To do so, visit SotaCBD.com. That's S-O-T-A-C-B-D.com. Okay. So what happens to a woman that's approaching menopause where she just says, oh, I'm feeling old or I'm feeling not myself? Like, what, what does that mean? How does that manifest typically? What do you hear? Yeah. A lot of times it's going to be uh, mood, mood and energy. The other component of that too is different metabolism. So women that are like, you know, I haven't changed anything. You know, my, my exercises, my diet, you know, my sleep patterns, those have all been similar, but I'm starting to feel fluffier or I'm starting to gain weight or my clothes aren't fitting the same way. That can also be part of some hormone transitional changes that show up as well. But I would say that with energy, mood, and sleep are going to be the bigger ones. And with mood changes, this, as you know, when I, when I talk to people, I see that this is more of like an almost outer, like outside of your body experience, like where you know that you're being more irrational or you know that you're 
being more irritable or like you can't understand why you're crying. It's almost like you're looking at yourself from outside and you're like, what is happening? That is also part of that kind of hormonal response that happens there. And I do want to make sure that we also talk about the thyroid gland too, because the thyroid function, your thyroid gland and your adrenal glands are like best friends. They work together to make sure that your metabolism and capacity to deal from day to day is there and sufficient. So the thyroid is also going to be part of that. And that can influence energy, dry skin, dry nails, loss of hair. That's actually a big one that comes through too. So where your hair just isn't as full, not like you're like losing hair in clumps, but you just notice, right? Like your ponytail isn't as thick as it used to be. Or like when you're in the shower, there's more hair when you're brushing, um, there's more hair in your brush. So that's also something that brings people in too. So what are some of the protocols you use to help you know, women that come to you with these issues? Yeah. So I think whenever we're looking at evaluation, I like to look at what your day-to-day routine is, right? Like what is your sleep pattern? How is sleep hygiene for you? What is your day-to-day pattern? Are you waking up around the same time every day? Are you going to bed around the same time every day? So the circadian rhythm or, you know, the daytime nighttime pattern for the body is really important. If that is not well-respected, meaning if you're not honoring your sleep schedule, you're not honoring a good sleep wake cycle that can really throw off your adrenal glands. So that's going to be something that we look at, right? Like, are you, and the adrenal glands are also very happy when they have routine. So if you're waking up around the same time, so within about an hour, every morning around that same hour, if you're going to bed around that same hour, every night, the adrenal glands will do a little bit better with that. They also do well with better blood sugar stability throughout the day. And when I talk about blood sugar and food, it's not just what you eat, it's when you eat. And so the body is very dependent on food for energy. And when we're looking at energy and metabolism, the body has two main sources essentially, right? Like we have our adrenaline or our cortisol that gets us through the day, but we also have our food, our nutrients, our blood sugar stability. If our blood sugar is not happy, the adrenal glands have to make up for that, whether it's hyper or hypoglycemic. And so the body has to compensate if there's not good blood sugar stability throughout the day. So we're definitely going to review that, evaluate that, look at, you know, what are you putting in your body? When are you putting it in your body? And then how are, how are you using your energy through the day? Are you sitting down all the time? you know, sedentary is not very healthy at all. We want to make sure that I know some of us, you know, our jobs keep us in our chairs, but that is where we also need to be very mindful of purposeful activity, moving your body, figuring out how to utilize your schedule to your advantage. So that you are getting good movement throughout the day and then evaluating hydration. Hydrating is super important. Our bodies rely on hydration. You know, we've heard you know, 80 to 90% of our you know cells are made up of water. And if we're not hydrating, it creates a lot of stress on the body. And then also stress management. How are you managing your stress? The way that you feel stress is really going to influence how your body responds to stress. That's where you have some people that are just able to kind of like roll thing, you know, like a duck, just let it roll off your back. And there are other people that really hold on to certain stressors. And so whether you are the roll off your back kind of person, or you are a dweller, we need to figure out how to, to manage that stress for you. So that at the end of the day, your body is able to relax, calm itself, get out of that sympathetic, go, go run, run, fight, fight, 
but you know, just kind of like hyper stimulated sympathetic response to the parasympathetic or, you know, the softening side of that, the restful side of that, the, like the digestive part, right? Like this is going to be the balance of the gas versus the break. Nighttime is where you really need to honor being able to allow that break to stop everything so that you can rest, you can replenish everything, right? Like the brain needs to shut down. And the reason why it needs to do that is because you have all these hormones in the brain that are essentially like kind of restarting everything. Right. And if you never get the capacity to shut down, you don't really get the capacity to restart everything again. So you end up kind of starting on like even more of an empty tank, if that makes sense. So you end up further depleting yourself, the harder and harder and harder and harder you work without having that nice balance. So that's going to be the first biggest key thing that we're looking at, right? Like, what do you do? How do you do it? When do you do it? Quick question here at this, at the age that this occurs, I would say probably what late forties, early Mm fifties, people are starting now to be on a lot more medications, not everybody, but a lot of them. And what about long-term drug induced deficits and various biomarkers and vitamins and things like that. How does that play into this? Yeah, that is a great question. And you are right. There are a lot more people on much more different types of medications and every medication is a little bit different in how it stresses and supports the system. But there are definitely some deficiencies or depletions that can happen with certain medications. And when we're looking at these depletions, what we have to remember is these nutrients or these cofactors help our cells do what they're supposed to do, right? Like they help our cells signal appropriately. And if we don't have the, you know, the right key to unlock that potential for that cellular activity, it's not going to happen. The cellular signaling for that is not going to happen, right? Like for example, thyroid is really supported with zinc and selenium and iodine. If we're not getting those nutrients, that's going to be a problem. Our metabolism, you know, just looking at mitochondrial health, right? Like B vitamins, magnesium, NAD, all of those things. If we're not getting sufficient levels of those, either because you're so stressed out that you're not absorbing nutrients or you're not getting enough of those nutrients in your diet, you are going to have a delayed response or a slower capacity for your cells to do what they need to do. So that's a great point. What about uh, women that have had, you know, hysterectomies or people that have had thyroidectomies? Mm. Uh, how does that play in? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely, depending on the age of hysterectomy, I think may also influence how symptomatic they are, but you know, there's really great research coming out now. I, the women's health initiative study where it was like, you know, estrogen is bad. Estrogen causes cancer. Just don't do estrogen at all. We're starting to flip the script in that because we're finding that as we're able to do a little bit more research, we're opening up those doors again. There's some really great benefit to hormone replacement therapy. And this I'm talking about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. So bioidentical estrogen, bioidentical progesterone, right? Like these, when we're looking at removing estrogen or removing progesterone, or even lower levels of testosterone, these are all important hormones that help with bone health, brain health, cardiovascular health. So when Even though it's a natural thing for females to stop cycling, what we're finding is females, you know, are living longer as are males. And if we're living longer, that means we're going without our cycles longer, which means we have less estrogen and progesterone and possibly testosterone longer. And so when we're looking at reducing risk for bone fractures or looking at cardiovascular health, this is where it's important to to have the conversation of 
where are my hormone levels? What do those look like? And is it worth considering something like bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, not just for symptom relief, but also for quality of life improvement down the road? Same thing for thyroid replacement. Our body cannot live without thyroid hormone. Yes, we can live with very low levels of estrogen and progesterone. Not optimally, I will say, but you can. Thyroid hormone is going to be absolutely integral when we're talking about metabolism, overall continued hormone signaling, especially um, younger. But that doesn't diminish the fact that thyroid hormone is still important as you get older. The thyroid gland is one of those that does get tired as we get older. So this is where you find more people as they get older, that they have to be put on thyroid medication, but there are lots of things that you can evaluate in this, right? Like how is stress? What is happening with stress? The thyroid is an adaptive organ, right? When your body is responding to an immediate stressor, it downregulates itself. Now, if you continue to respond to that stress, you're going to have a different kind of compensation effect with the thyroid. And put that on top of just aging in general, maybe even chemical exposure, other environmental exposures that puts more stress on the thyroid gland. So there may be discussion about what does it look to help with repletion of thyroid? Is that thyroid hormone replacement or do we just need to support nutrients, right? Like what are the things that we can do? I don't want to say just naturally, but in looking at like food-based nutrient support, you can certainly do that, but any kind of thyroidectomy you would certainly want to look at thyroid hormone replacement and what would be most appropriate for the patient involved. So the patients that you get, have they been to traditional medicine practitioners that either gaslighted them or told them, oh, you're fine, or don't do, you know, hormone replacement, it's dangerous. Like when people come to you at the end of their rope or are they early on and what are they saying to you that drives you to help them? Yeah, that's, um, and I would say there's probably a pretty decent mix. Previously, it used to be that I would be like the last person, right? Like I've, I've been to this specialist. I've been to this specialist. I've been to this specialist. I feel like there are a lot more people that are taking charge of their own health, which I think is great and reaching out to functional medicine providers. So they may not be as far gone as some other patients, but I will say in the specialty medicine. So when we're looking at specialty medicine, we're looking at like endocrinology, there may not be a lot of support for what I call the gray area. You know, if you are not in an obvious disease category, right? So if you are not obviously hypothyroid, according to conventional definitions, or if you are not obviously Addison's disease uh, because of low cortisol, or if you are not obvious in this pathologic definition, they say you're fine, right? Like the labs look fine and there's no gray area to help with what symptoms are there. And I think functional medicine steps in really nicely in that gray area of like, okay, so you You don't have a disease to define what's happening for you, but you certainly don't feel optimal. And this is where it's like, okay, no matter where you are in that, in that journey, right? Like if you've been through 20 different specialists versus I'm the, you know, first provider you've seen, it's going to be, where are you in that? What are your symptoms? And there are tons of options, especially in the functional medicine world to look at for testing and evaluation for that. So I think it's, it's actually pretty varied. And I will say, unfortunately, there has been a lot of misinformation on that. Like, you know, you're so far gone, I can't help you, or actually you're fine. It's all in your head. And I think that's the bigger problem where you say gaslighting, where people come in and they're like, maybe it is all in my head. It's not all in your head. You live in your body 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, what is going on. And if it doesn't feel right to you, you definitely need to be figuring like 
going to somebody that's listening to you so that they can, you guys can work as partners to figure out what is going on. Well, when you interact with new patients, have you found a lot of them will have, you know, let's say within normal hormone levels, but they're at the end of the range, the high or low, does that tell you anything? Or is it obvious when you work with people or is it, is it require a lot of discernment to figure out what's really going on? Mm, It really depends. And I would say as a naturopath, I feel blessed that we've been given that scope, right. To look at suboptimal versus blatantly above or below range, because there can still be like my ranges for low thyroid function are different than what come out on a conventional lab report. Right. So the way that I see that is going to be very different than a way chronologists may see it. And this is where, unfortunately, there becomes some kind of discrediting that happens. If I'm taking care of a patient, I say, you know what, functionally, your thyroid levels look pretty bad. And these can be fairly representative of your symptoms. So these are the things that we're going to want to do, whether that includes medication or other nutritional supports. Right. And then they go see an endocrinologist that says, well, that's not true. You know, and so it, the hard part about that is there's definitely a difference between the ranges that a specialist may see versus what a functional medicine practitioner will see. And I think that's where, again, that functional medicine aspect comes in a bit more supportive, I will say, in looking at, okay, we know that you're not just an, a, a lab value, right? Like you are a human with all the cells and all the organs. So yes, we can certainly take that lab value information but we also want to look at that in combination with who you are and how you're feeling, what you're doing and what we can do to make you feel better. I have some patients that their thyroid levels feel much better at a certain level that may not, you know, it might even be on the edge of what I think is either low or high thyroid, but they live in their body. They know their symptoms. They know how they feel better. And so as long as we are keeping them safe and healthy, that is the biggest consideration for me. Well, I've also seen for traditional doctors like thyroid, you know, I had a I had thyroid cancer took my thyroid out, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, the main endocrinologist would just look at TSH and yes. maybe like, you know, TPO, AB, whatever it's called, the antibodies. Yeah. But when I went to a functional person, they looked at reverse T3, T4, yes. T3, free T3. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. So the people you're getting, you know, or an estrogen panel for a woman, are they looking at, you know, estriol, estradiol, are traditional doctors even doing the blood work to show you all the different possible tests for each organ and each system? I will tell you, I'm usually very surprised when they do, if they do. On some specialists, I've seen them do like a TSH and a, and a free T4. <laughs> so it's like, yes, they got one of them. But a lot of times, even for postmenopausal females, they won't even test their hormones. They're like, well, why bother? And even though it's likely that the hormones are low, I think it's still important to have a baseline for somebody to understand where they're at. And then we can also understand where we're going with that, right? Like if we test your hormone levels and I'm a Dutch tester, when it comes to sex hormones and adrenal function, this lets me know not only where your levels are at, but how your body is metabolizing these hormones. And I think that that's also an additional level, right? But I agree with you. There's, there's a lot more limiting when it comes to conventional medicine. There's a lot of reliance on TSH, which that's not to say that TSH is not important, but it's not the full picture. I would agree when I run a thyroid panel, I look at TSH, free T3, free T4, total T3, total T4, reverse T3. We want to look at the antibodies, right? Because even if 
your thyroid is technically in range. If you have antibodies going on, there's still something going on there, right? So yeah, it, it needs to have a fuller, a more expansive or comprehensive uh, look. Any advice for people listening? You know, I know you can't help everybody, but where can you help them? I don't know if you do, um, you know, phone or Zoom-based appointments and if people have to search for themselves, what do they look for? Do they look for functional medicine doctor, hormone doctor, naturopathic doctor? What do they look Yeah. I mean, depending on the area and location, I think that's where it gets a little bit more complicated, but I will say this. If you, if you are going to your doctor and you feel like you're not being heard or you're being dismissed, you need to find another healthcare partner. Naturopathic physicians are great. Chiropractors are great. There are some really skilled coaches that are out there, but you also want to make sure if you are looking for full capacity that somebody can or has the knowledge to look at hormone therapy for you, can they do the testing for you, right? So can they do any kind of treatment support for you? There are some functional MDs that are out there, but if you're looking for the more gray area of medicine, we are looking at functional medicine. So either a functional MD or a functional medical practitioner, naturopaths, chiropractors, DOs, nurse, some nurse practitioners are also on board, which is great. And depending on your area, that may become a little bit more, more tricky. If you are in the state of Oregon, I am also available to do telehealth, but outside of that, that's where it might get a little bit more tricky, but yes, I think you should certainly expand your search. If you are feeling like you are not heard, or if you are dismissed, or if you're still having symptoms that are not being tended to a functional medicine practitioner would be my recommendation. And I do always, I do always recommend as much as providers are out there, they are not the dictators of your healthcare, right? Like they're a partner in your healthcare, but that also means we want to make sure that you are also delving into where you're at, right? Like how do my, my question is always, how did we get here? Right? Like what's going on with your life? What are the things that we need to look at and consider? Some people are, you know, super stressed out because they're, you know, momming, they're working They, you know, they're busy, 50 hours a day, right? And, and you can't give them more hours. So we know that you're not going to stop momming. You're not going to stop your job. So in what you are doing, what are the things that we can do to adjust that? Or if there are things that we can do, we want to evaluate that overall day-to-day lifestyle for you too. Well, very good. Um, any final words for people listening or should we wrap I would say my last final words are if you are struggling and some people are already doing this, but if you want to just check the boxes, the biggest things that I recommend are protect your sleep and sleep hygiene, hydrate your body as much as you can, right? Like when we're just looking at kind of general recommendations um, and move your body movement is very important and support network, right? Like I can't say enough about a support network. It also helps to have that mental and emotional release too. I think those are all important aspects of continuing health. Well, very good. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Remember, before you go, ask yourself, do you want better sleep? How about better overall skin? Using SOTA CBD products is one of the best things you can do for your overall wellness. Get your CBD infused products from a company who uses proven scientific research to help support wellness and treat inflammatory skin diseases. Sota CBD is giving our listeners 25% off their first purchase. Just use coupon code FINDINGGENIUS at checkout. Save 25% site-wide. Go to SotaCBD.com to shop. S-O-T-A-C-B-D.com. 
You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.